Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we are now in a series because we have more than one of Interview with a Pastor. How about that? And just like our last uh, interview with our pastor, our pastor, Pastor Brett Laird, uh, we pulled in uh, one of my good friends, uh, Pastor Justin McCoy. And uh, let me just uh, get his uh, little bio in and uh, we'll... Uh, tell you why we're talking to him. So Justin McCoy has uh, first joined Calvary uh, on an intern basis. Uh, that's our church in February 2011 and now serves as our high school and young adult pastor. He has a Bachelor's of Arts and pre-seminary in Cedarville University and Master of Arts in Theological Studies and Master's of Religious Education from Liberty Theological Seminary, as well as a Master's of Divinity, also from Liberty. Uh, Justin and his wife, Katie, have two children, Haddon and Yeah. Actually, I think his title, and correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, is... Uh... Next generation pastor is that is that the real that's, title? That's true. That means the website is uh, is <laughs> oh, several, several years. Uh, Only you I, knew someone who had access to that website. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> well, Justin, thank you for joining us. So we appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and so, uh, yes, one of the reasons why we did want to talk to you because uh, you are involved in the next generation. Uh, and of course, that's my third favorite Star Trek is the next generation, uh, you know, so, and that's the accurate one for everyone to, to maintain. But um, but we want to talk about uh, apologetics in your relationship as a pastor, as a pastor to, to, to kids. I, I, what, what, what am I OK to call them? I, I never like being called a kid, but I also never like being called anywhere close to an adult when I was their age. So what, what's the cool term? Yeah. So from what we, what we use to be safe is from fifth grade down, we, we say kids, we say children, when they get into middle school, we call them students. It's, they're still kids, but students is accurate and they're not adults. It's kind of a way to, um, to classify them without offending them. Okay. Uh, students. Yeah. Great. Uh, so, uh, first we just kind of want to talk a little bit about you, about, um, uh, about your perspective, uh, coming into the role. Um, so, uh, and, uh, uh, coming from your naming of your first child, Haddon, uh, you seem to be a, a fan of, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And so, uh, Spurgeon wrote a book about, uh, you know, uh, uh lectures to my students and in there. And, uh, John MacArthur has also, uh, uh, echoed these things of, if you can think of yourself doing any other thing other than ministry, you probably should do it. So why did you put away the astronaut, the firefighter, uh, the uh, garbage collector to be a pastor? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, uh, great question. No, I, um, I was hesitant. Honestly, I kind of resisted uh, going into ministry and for going into college, even I was in like a dual track between business and youth ministry. Um, and then as I, began to actually serve. It wasn't so much the, the courses in, in college as it was the getting involved in the church, um, seeing the need, um, uh, the need for uh, biblical education, the need for, um, uh, and for care, uh, the need for shepherding, the, the need for um, just guidance and direction, and just that there was this hole um, in the church that often uh, the fun people went to, you know, the fun adults would kind of go, or the ones that weren't responsible enough to do other things. And uh, youth ministry, wasn't always taken seriously. And so I, I kind of grew a heart for um, teaching the uh, teaching the Bible and, and caring for, for youth. And that just kind of came through church involvement. Um, it, it developed and now I, um, um, whether it's youth or adults, I love, um, I, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Well, I, I always appreciated our time together. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you've been there uh, helping me read books. So, uh, you know, you're, you're part of the downfall of 
of, of me into <laughs> even more books and more reading. So I always appreciate that. So uh, yes, Justin is a, a good friend in, in my eyes. Here. Yeah, me too. So Justin, you kind of enumerated some of the things that you are doing, but could you kind of, you know, go into a little bit more detail in terms of your, your role as uh, the next generation pastor? What kind of, you know, things do you do, I guess? And we're going to eventually get to apologetics. So keep that in the back, you know, in your pocket there. Sure, sure. Um, so my role is uh, as a multifaceted role. I I have the the great opportunity to be able to work with from birth through through about eighteen years um, of age, and the I spend most of my time with high school students as far as the teaching, as far as actually being with. Um, the individuals in that age group. Uh, but I do also get to um, have an impact and in, in kind of from a distance oversee middle school and uh, in children as well. What that what that looks like in a practical sense is trying to make sure that what, what's being taught from, from the children's ministry through the high school is consistent, uh, making sure that it builds on itself. So it's not just a haphazard, you know, we're teaching the same thing 20 times and we're forgetting big parts of the Bible or, or something like that. So we want to, we want to actually have a strategic plan, uh, from as far as if a student were to go through, through Calvary from, you know, from the nursery all the way through graduation, we have an idea of, we can, we can say that we've, um, uh, we've, We've taught them what they or they, what they need to know to survive after high school, but also a foundation to continue to study on their own. And and uh, so yeah, it's kind kind of connecting the pieces, unifying the pieces, and hopefully um, hopefully there's a a strategy that um, is effectively assisting the parents in making disciples. Um, that uh, that's that's the goal at least. Whether we're doing that or not, I guess is uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but that's that's the goal. So as, as far as metric goes, uh, you, you kind of have to have a uh, 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 more forward in the thinking future to that. Yeah, we, we are. I mean, we our whole program is designed to launch them. And, uh, you know, it's, we're we're not. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question correctly. How, say that one more time. So just as, as far as how, how you determine effectiveness, it's is it just uh, we did our best and, and send them out into the world like uh uh, um, you know, eagles from the nest where they, they either <laughs> flight or fall. <laughs> uh, there's the metric is hard. I will say actually having a metrics uh, system that is um, because because we're working with hearts, we're working with souls and, uh, and what seems like success may be in a middle school, they're tracking, they're, they're learning, they're growing, they're, they're attending. Uh, and then, you know, high school years are terrible, but by 30, they're, they're thriving. They're back on track. You know, there's, it's a uh, difficult to, so we're, we're really, our goal is to be faithful to do what the Lord has called us to do and, and uh, teaching the word of God, uh, hopefully that they know him, that they're growing in Christ and that they're going in the power of the Holy spirit to, to um, serve the church and, and reach the world. Uh, well, one of the, the books that, uh, that I found beneficial that you and I read through, um, and then there was a part two to it, it was uh, Charles and the vine. Mm-hmm. And I was like that idea of, a structure in place to help the vine grow in whatever way the vine decides to, but having kind of the, uh, the system in place uh, that isn't entirely rigid where you couldn't, you know, maneuver pieces or, or change things up a little bit, but you still had some idea of, 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 of a plan. It wasn't just, uh, you know, not, not that it's always a bad thing, but uh, well, we're just going to leave this up to the Holy spirit and we'll, we'll figure things out as we go along. 
So. As, as soon as you said metrics, I knew you were referencing back. to. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good book. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, so um, kind of going back to you and, and um, uh, kind of how to, how people should, uh, who want to get into pastorship, uh, uh, seminary is kind of the way to go. There's no, uh, road to Damascus where you're, you're taken away as a blind person and, and fed for three years. And then you, uh, are discovered by the, the apostles anymore. Um, but your, your seminary visits have been closer. So you've, you've, you did your pre-seminary, then you had a seminary um, point, you were hired and now you're going back a little bit. What, what has been either some of the changes that you've seen from, uh, maybe some of the the stories that you heard from, uh, you know, older pastors, or what have you seen that has changed or um, should be encouraging to, uh, to to people going into uh, a seminary study? Or uh, is it is it uh, fearful and, and uh, uh, the American church should should disavow uh, all major seminaries out there and we should go underground? <laughs> Out of those three. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I'm a big proponent of, of seminary. I, I enjoy education. I, um, I enjoy structured learning. Um, and so I think seminary will always be beneficial for providing a form of organized uh, learning. Um, I enjoy from Liberty. Um, it's accessible um, both through online and through um, the fact that it is a, a lower cost. Um, and so that, that's been a big factor for me and just where I'm um, my personal selections in seminary. But with that, um, with, with that, it's, uh, what some have called like the, the Walmartization of, of seminary, uh, um, the quality maybe isn't, um, at the level, uh, either that it used to be, or at some, some, you know, some in-person learning, uh, is still, uh, as, as I think we're seeing after, um, COVID in-person learning is effective. It is, it is valuable. And so, uh, so the accessibility and the affordability, uh, is great. Um, but with, uh, with that, as things become more accessible, more affordable, the quality has, has diminished with that. I think there's a, there's not so much from the professor side of things, but the quality, um, of the, the discussion that's allotted for, for virtual learning, uh, which has been most of my education uh, post-college and the variety of people coming from looking for a degree uh, that don't necessarily uh, align with the the doctrinal statement of the school um, or they they don't know they don't they don't align because they were accepted and perhaps um, didn't read the doctor. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't know how they got there necessarily, but there's a, there's a variety. There's quite a variety of people that I have had classes with that I would never, um, I would be surprised if we were in the same church. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the standards for getting in then are, are you would suggest, uh, um, have lowered over the years um, that you've been going to seminary. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? I, I think so. And I, and I don't want to be too critical and too judgmental of, of, of other classmates, but it appears as though the standard has, has, um, and even I will say the, and maybe it's my, uh, I don't, my time in seminary being longer, maybe I'm getting better. Uh, my, my papers are getting better, but it seems like my, it's easier to get better grades than it has been earlier. That could very well be that I'm just growing and that theoretically that should happen. Uh, but it seems like the, it's become a little easier than it has been as well. Well, and if you think of just the history of where universities originated from, they, they were only there for the, the learned uh, pastors of, of the time. And it wasn't until, you know, the, the, um, 
the inclusion of us lower lower people that you know we, we definitely dropped the bar and and where our you know Ivy League colleges are you know originated from and so it just seems to be that uh, next we're we're gonna have seminaries for probably uh, middle schoolers and and stuff like that. <laughs> It's, uh, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> I've got, I've got, it's not unusual to have a freshman in high school in our, in our church that are, is also taking college classes. And I mm-hmm. think that, um, that's not quite seminary, but it, it's along the same lines of what you're talking about. So as far as uh, focus within the classes, uh, you know, are they, are they still teaching the Trinity or are they ex- uh, making us accept, uh, women pastors and, and, uh, uh, we're all, we're all to wear, uh, different colored bracelets to inform what our, uh, gender pronouns are. No, I've not experienced, thankfully, um, anything that has, um, that I, from, from the teaching side of things that I have wholeheartedly, uh, disagreed with. There's been times where I've taken maybe a different stance on, um, maybe secondary tertiary issues, but never on like the Trinity. Um, I'm still confident that the, the, the fundamentals, the, the core principles, um, and even from like a, the, a lot of the seminaries that are out there that are, are the Baptist, the Baptist distinctives are still pretty strong, sometimes stronger than maybe the, <laughs> the other distinctives. Uh, but, um, but, the, but the, I do think there are, um, uh, there's, they're sticking to the, the word for the most part. That's good. That's good. So, um, so let's kind of switch gears here and talk about the the, the uh, students that you're working with. Okay, so what's going on with the students these days? Uh, you know, do you see uh, different struggles, uh, areas, you know, of concern that uh, uh, you know that that's growing, or or what's going on with students these days? Yeah, um, I mean, in some ways, students are there's. There's aspects where it's always the same, you know, if 20 years can go by 30 years and, you know, students have a lot of the same struggles as um, perhaps we had um, um, when we were students at the same time uh, in the last one of the biggest differences I've seen in the last two, three years um, is a growing interest in politics. Um, and my first, uh, and that's probably a um, trickles down from their parents and it's right now we're living a, that's a, an issue that I think nobody, you know, everyone is just kind of in it, whether they want to be or not. And so, um, I've never in my first, oh, you know, eight to 10 years of ministry, uh, you know, I would expect the average student wouldn't know, a politician wouldn't know who their governor is, um, wouldn't know, uh, you know, I mean, they, they just wouldn't care. And, um, in the last couple of years, um, just there's been a growing just interest from of students in political issues um, and politicians. Um, that's not a, obviously the only thing, but that's one of the key differences I've seen just in the last couple of years that sure. um, I haven't seen in previous uh, years. Hmm. Uh, what, what from seminary has been kind of the most beneficial that you've you've brought over to your teaching? And then what what, what do you think there are some areas where um, there needs to be either better preparation for, or maybe, uh, uh at least a conversation on, uh, uh, attempting, uh, expectations, uh, uh, down. So the, the best, uh, thing from college or seminary that has impacted my ministry, was that there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a great, man, that's a really good question. Um, the, I think, and this is probably not a, it's 
far as an answer goes, this is it's not a, very specific, but uh, something about just seminary has forced me to keep studying and to realize that um, even the first view that you come across might not isn't the only view. Mm. Um, you know, when I grew up going to church and kind of my my Bible training from my parents from church, really up until college and even a little bit in college, the first view I heard was the view, um, and that was that was the only view. And then then you start hearing multiple perspectives, and you realize I. You know, the first time I heard that there was multiple views on hell or that there's multiple views on sanctification, you know, and then uh, you, you start to think like I, you, it just changes the, your study when you're teaching that you're not just teaching. um you want to teach the correct view, or at least your understanding of what you believe to be the correct view is while you're teaching. But it's also helpful then to give students to help them be aware there are other other views out here. So when they hear that, they're not like, well, you know, they don't they don't assume that I've never heard of it or that because. Um, so I, I, I would prefer to introduce students to some of the other views while I'm teaching what I believe to be the correct view, um, rather than just wait till they figure it out on their own. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I think one, either the time before or the time before that, uh, that I last taught, uh, the college class, I asked the, the, the college group if they knew who Bart Ehrman was, none of them knew who Bart Ehrman was, uh, you know, the, the two or three people that always talked to me about all the really juicy details where I'm like, uh, well then I'll get back to you next week. And then, oh yeah, I, I knew what you were talking about the whole time. Um, and so I, I think, um, um, pr providing the, even the counterpoint to, um, our, our, our faith positions is, is really good because, oh, you know, uh, there's, there's a verse in, in the, in one John that shouldn't be there. Who, who knew about this? Why, why, why isn't, oh, it's, it's, it's in the bottom of our Bible. There's a note to it. Is there an explanation to it? Uh, having, having that, uh, um, uh, answer available or, uh, again, uh, teaching our kids that, Hey, um, the, 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 the simple two-year-old answer of, you know, Jesus is, is, uh, is only going to get you so far. It's a good answer, but it won't only get you so far. The, the Sunday school. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Sunday school. It's <laughs> yeah. what you learn in Sunday school. Today? Yeah. Well, I learned about Jesus. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and you know, sometimes if, if, if you're dealing with kids, that's, that's the best you can come up with. Uh, and I, I will recommend, uh, there's a great series from Zondervan called the counterpoint series mm -hmm. where they get a collection of authors that, um, uh, that they write towards an answer and they all come from a different perspective. And, Tony and I have, have done um, five views of apologetics or the five views of uh, Christian philosophy. There's uh, one on hell, women ministers, uh, the longer ending of Mark. There's, there's all these ones. Uh, I, IVP, I believe, has uh, also a, a, a counterpoint uh, alternative views uh, one. And we'll include some of those uh, links in the uh, description of, of the show. Um, so that way um, people have that, that access. Um, so how about how about. Um, what, what, what should, what, what, what would you have wanted to focus on more in, in school? You wanted more Greek, right? More Greek and Hebrew. No, <laughs> um, I wanted just enough of that to, to meet the bare minimum. Um, <laughs> necessary. Uh, more, I, I would have enjoyed, um, more, uh, more apologetics classes. And I'm not just saying that because you're having me on here today. Oh, shucks. Uh, <laughs> you're speaking our language. No, <laughs> I, I find that we're with, particularly with youth because, um, uh, it's the age where they're, I think a lot of people have questions. They have doubts in, in, in for their personal faith. Uh, students, uh, the, the high school age, especially in college age is where they're, they're actually verbalizing them. And in some cases it's the, it's the prime time to either address those questions or they might just abandon, 
uh, church um, kind of walk away all together. And so it's it's the uh, it's not that they're the only group of people that are asking questions, but they're the ones that um, I think they're more likely to actually say uh, and that they don't believe or that they're struggling with something. And and I find that you can I, I think of you know, children's ministry through middle school, it's a lot of teaching them what to believe. And then uh, as you get to high school and college, you're starting to kind of get into why, um, why we believe this and then how it stacks up against other faiths. Um, so you want to give them that foundation early on, but um, realizing that's a big part of the high school and college age. Um, I wish I would have taken you um, or had the opportunity to take more apologetics style courses. Yeah. Okay. So, so you see um, uh, those types of issues are more important to the student or do you see that it's more important that they uh, learn those things? In other words, are they aware that, mm. that they need to know those things and so they want to, or uh, are you aware that they need to know them whether they're not? And so you want to make sure that they do, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying there? I think so. I, I think there's, and I think I'd answer yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Good. Cause that's a great answer. The, uh, the, for, I say there's a number of students and unfortunately, even, even the students, I know they come regularly. I don't know which ones they personally need, um, not to necessarily be trained in apologetics, but to hear the an apologetic style teaching and explanation to give them to strengthen their own faith because um, maybe they're doubting. So there's there's the aspect of apologetics and youth ministry that that really gives confidence um, to the individual student that they they have questions. But there are some that are they're thriving. They're not they're not struggling. They they. Um, they're not necessarily not, we all could grow in our faith. I want to be careful. I word that, but, but for them, it gives them um, the clarity to be able to engage in conversations with other people. And so then it's giving them tools. It's not just helping them personally, but it's also giving them tools to interact with those around them. And, and at Calvary, um, we have a mixed, mixed bag of students as far as uh, some of them. Um, they've got very minimal uh, interaction with, with um people from different religions, different worldviews. Um, but for the ones they do, they're like, they're fully in, in, in they're fully in it They're And so they, they are constantly hearing different perspectives and, and they, they're craving the, the tools and the training to be able to engage, not just in conversation, but also the culture. Because like I said, they have the interest in politics and things. And so they're, they're thinking about social issues, um, in a way that, um, just students haven't, I think before. Yeah. Um, are so our kids then um students. i guess sorry yes our <laughs> students are, are, are the learned students who are very mature for their age are, are they are they then um asking the questions and not finding an avenue to um to, to look for the answer or um are, are they kind of coming to you for it or are they are they looking for well, you know, maybe some, some podcasts, like, you know, uh, this, this one little one out of, uh, out of your church that, uh, operates or, you know, are, are they, uh, kind of aware of, of where to go other than, uh, well, not other than, but, um, you know, what, what direction are they taking for, for finding those answers? Or are they just, are they just asking amongst their, their peer group and hoping that someone has an answer? I think, unfortunately, some, um, you got a mixture of everything. I think there's a lot of students in kind of a little bit of our culture today uh, that um, there, there's an acceptance of other people's 
beliefs and worldviews with that, even if they're contradictory uh, to the, they're just, they don't agree with your own, they don't stop and wrestle with it and realize that they both can't be true. So there's, there is a politeness and a certain level of acceptance, unfortunately, among some students that they are like, okay, that's, that's good for you, but not for me. Um, and obviously we don't, uh, we want to encourage them to actually engage, to push back a little bit, um, to, to ask some questions. Like, uh, I think of like, uh, is it Kukul that talks about putting a pebble in their shoe? You know, once, yeah. once maybe they don't know all the answers, but that hopefully gets them to think about their belief system. So some just, they, they just know there's these competing worldviews and they just, they don't, they believe what they believe and they don't necessarily engage. Um, so there's those, there's some who, um, you know, it's the most compelling argument at the time wins. And that's a scary thing for students is, you know, if, if, or the majority. So like if, if, if maybe they have a really convincing friend or they have a lot of friends uh, that, that can be winsome, especially if they've never heard this alternative view and they just assume that, wow, my pastor never talked about this. He probably doesn't know either. Uh, And so uh, there's a, um, yeah, there's a lot of different reactions, I guess, and responses. We, we hope that they, we want them to know that the, the Bible has an answer to these, their questions. And um, even if they don't know, we, part of what we want to instill early on is that even if you don't know the answer, the Bible does know, you have the answer and you can look for it and you can come back to it. Including, sure being, including being careful about accepting the first answer that you hear. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll, we'll include a link to our interview with uh, Greg Hochul uh, below. So you can uh, click on that as well and uh, watch us talk to the Greg Hochul, which was pretty cool. Um, so then for, for how you, um, how, how you prepare to answer is, is it, uh, do you find yourself um, kind of sitting down uh, and, and having one-on-one discussions or uh, do you, is it once it hits a, a crescendo of, I've heard three people kind of talk about it, I'm going to preach on it or how, how are you, um, h- how best do you find it, it addressed? Is it more one-on-one time or is it uh, kind of in, in the lecture setting? Yeah. And or again, yes. I'm, <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. I think, uh, so we uh, just kind of how we operate our senior small group. Um, we have small groups by grades is completely, it's a year that's completely dedicated to apologetics. And so that's, so we have one Avenue where, you know, we buy, we want to prepare them for college. It's the final year. So that's a kind of a year long um, exposure there to those questions from me teaching on Sunday mornings. I, I go a, a variety of, sometimes it's, it's a, yeah, it's, this has become a big issue. And so I'm going to, I'm going to address this and and it's important to address. I'm getting a lot of questions. Um, sometimes I, um, just like a couple months ago, I did a series on, I did a, just a one week overview on Mormonism, Jehovah's witnesses, and, uh, um, Christian science and just kind of a, just like, here's some, here's where they disagree and then where we disagree from them. And and then how, um, how do you start a conversation? How would you, um, what key doctrines is it helpful to know, if you meet somebody like this, you know, cause obviously the whole Bible, it's helpful to know all of it, but what are the key points of, uh, of, of where we, where we differ. And so sometimes I'll hit something like that. Um, sometimes it's a, uh, a couple of years ago, we looked at different worldviews with like Marxism to, uh, um, Islam and, uh, atheism just kind of hit some from a worldview perspective, sometimes like, a, I guess you might call it cults. Um, and so we've done it different. So sometimes it comes up in teaching series, 
of course, I want every student to know anytime they have a question, they can come to me directly. And there is a number of personal conversations I have with students. And um, but if I get a number of those, I want to teach on it, because if a few people actually come to me, it's probably because a lot of them are having that same mm -hmm. that same thought. Yeah. And, and that's why you have a line item for just coffee, because that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, that, that is absolutely right. <laughs> Um, let me uh, let me ask you this question. Um, you, you you tend to go on um, a, a good number of of um, uh, short term missionary trips and and uh, get get students out there. You like going uh, Chicago is one that you tend to 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 send people to that you, you give them training in um, in uh, sharing their faith and then they go out. Um, do, do you find people uh, the, the students come back to that with with kind of a, a culture shock, even and and both within America, and then if you if you do take them uh, overseas, or do you see that type of uh, oh wow, people live way different than us, even if it's you know a short short distance away? Absolutely, I think uh, that's one of the short-term mission trips have a, uh, some different goals than long-term missions. And one of the, one of the benefits of short-term mission trips is just exposure. Um, just seeing that, that, that your world that you have here and uh, for them, Kalamazoo Portage or whatever um, is, is different than the other parts of the world. And God is still working and God is still, still moving in other parts of the world. Um, and that exposure then shows uh, both a combination of, um, how in a lot of cases, how, how well they really have it. Um, and also, um, and in a world as, that needs Jesus. Um, and so some, some of our students, they spend the majority of their time with people who already have a relationship with Christ. And so just that exposure, not only to sometimes poverty, but also to spiritual poverty to to those, um, yeah, just need to hear the gospel. So you have a trip coming up here uh, this summer, I think, is that, is that correct? That's yeah, we have two. Um, so we're, we're taking a, a group of 26 to St. Louis and then uh, 19 of us are heading to Panama. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, a combination of, of really, uh, both meeting physical needs and spiritual needs, um, both, both situations, both areas, we're going to be dealing with people who are probably the exposure factor that you mentioned is going to be quite significant. I think yeah. there, there's a, um, uh, a kind of a philosophical debate where it's uh, imagine yourself as a bat and it's hard to, do that because all you're doing is just imagining you in in a bath and so um it, it's this uh this idea of you, know, you can't actually uh get in there but when when i took uh a, just a, a normal trip to, to costa rica for half a month and just like and live there uh for that period of time it was it, it, it was a culture shock knowing that i was going to a place called costa rica that i did all this extensive um, um you know research on of you know what sites to hit and stuff and it's just like oh wow the, the church can thrive here so when i'm thinking of like the early church having kind of that 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 semblance in mind too of like okay th th these people at least have like three days of 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 money to buy their daily bread now now half uh, half that and half that again and you have the early church who are slaves who are working for daily bread and also hearing the gospel moving away from their 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 um the uh, center point of, of the, the Jewish faith, or, you know, they're moving away from, from the pagan aspect. It was, it was a neat um, experience that, that, uh, that grabbed me when, when I was there for, for 14 days. And I was, I wasn't even doing missionary work. I was just saying, Oh, here's a little church on the side of the road. There are Christians that go here. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So do you have different goals um, with regard to the two trips? <clears throat> what are you trying um, to accomplish? That's, or is it the same? Or uh, I mean, the overarching we, I think we have a general general goals for 
for all of our trips, right? We, we want to, um, not only expose them to uh, a new culture, a new place, but also hopefully expose them to the need for missions. Um, so more important than any tasks that we accomplish while we're there, whether we, I mean, we don't want to, under, whether we're feeding uh, the poor, or whether we're building something, um, the reality is somebody else could probably do that probably better than us um, and probably cheaper uh, if we were to just give money rather than take a whole team. Um, one of the goals were probably the key key goal is by exposing them to um, another culture, to, to missions in general, is that we we have students who are committed to um, to missions as they grow. So whether that means they, they go on more short-term trips or whether they start giving to, to you know, long-term um, missionaries, whether they're just, they begin praying for those missionaries, um, again, getting them outside of their world and hopefully seeing just the significance and importance of those trips. Now, if it's an English speaking country, like, or if we're in country like St. Louis, um, the gospel, we pray, we, we prepare them to, to, to share the gospel. We want them to be able to be ready. In fact, that's part of our meetings ahead of time. Obviously, if we're going international, that goal changes a little bit because of the language barrier. But a lot of times we do have opportunities to share testimonies, to share a lesson that's translated, and um, even more so being able to share the gospel because they have to, when it's being translated, they really have to think through their words if somebody's translating, you know, going through the... Um, the work of trying to put it into the, the <laughs> language. So, so, um, so yeah, I mean, the gospel is, is, it tends to actually be more front and center from our students on the domestic trips. Um, however, um, it's, we want to do everything we can to increase the mission, the local missionaries ability to serve after we're gone. Mm-hmm. So on the international trips, if we can help them strengthen the relationship so they can get the gospel out, then, um, by, by meeting a physical need, then we're, that's, uh, that's part of the goal. So, not sure if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and you know, uh, you know, we might make note of the significant uh, percentage of the folks who are from our church that have gone on to uh, overseas mission. I mean, it's it's a it seems like for a while every year somebody was leaving the church to go on to uh, overseas mission. Right. So I would think that's part of the deal. Right. They, they were exposed as younger, you know, younger adults or whatever. And and so that helped kind of feed the flames there. Absolutely. It's a, I like to see, I see missionary um, mission trips as um, like greenhouses of spiritual growth where we're um, there. A lot of times they're reading the Bible every day. They're praying every day. They're with other believers serving the Lord witness there, all the things the Lord calls us to do, um, where they're doing it for a short period of time. And, and it's not a mystery that they're growing on, on these trips. So not only, you know, they're wondering like, I don't know why I grew so much in that one week. Well, it's, if you did those things at home for a week, you'd probably grow too. Uh, you know, so there's, uh, but not only is it the long-term effects, but, uh, we do find that just a week where our students are cut off from the world, or at least from the distractions of, of usually their phones and things like that. It, it's, it's helpful for their own personal growth. So again, not why someone goes into long-term missions isn't for their own personal growth necessarily, but short-term mission trips have a, we have a different, um, different metric uh, than, um, than long-term missions as far as evaluating success. Okay. Um, this next question, I, w- I want you to speak to three different types of people. 
and I'll, I'll give you all of them and we'll, we'll hit back through all of them. And so if, if you need us to remove your video so that you can be even more forthcoming, uh, this is what, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the editor, so you can do that. So I, we need, we want you to speak to these, uh, types of people, uh, whether it be in church or, uh, those who interact with students. So their parents or, uh, people that will eventually, um, um, become parents uh, for their age, uh, age range that you, uh, that you monitor. Uh, those who want to mentor and work with kids and those in the church who have no clue what to do with kids whatsoever. So okay. uh, what, what do you want parents or soon to be parents to know what to do or, uh, you know, uh, train their kids better so that they're not so rambunctious in church somehow. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have no clue right now. So, um, but uh, what, what would you want to uh, let parents know uh, and, and maybe um, uh an answer and also uh, geared a little bit uh, towards, um, uh, you know, helping them uh, obviously through their, their walk of faith. Yeah. Um, so for the parents are almost parents, uh, first category, um, there's less than a thousand, um, weeks that from birth through graduation, um, that's less, that's less than a thousand Saturdays, um, that you can spend with your child that you have opportunity to less than a thousand Sundays to get them in church. And I think, um, the, if I were to, I think the, there's a countdown that immediately starts the moment, uh, you have a child and, uh, that where they're launched and your window of being able to train them, your window of being able to teach them drastically decreases. Um, that doesn't stop, but, uh, when they're, when they're launched, uh, that, um, that, that countdown, um, the Jim Elliott talked about, um, uh, to his own parents that, you know, arrows, um, children, well, Psalm 127 talks about children are heritage of the Lord. They're like arrows. And, and Elliot said, well, what are arrows for, but to be shot. And so if your children are arrows to be launched. Um, then, uh, what are you doing today to prepare for their launch? And so making the most of the time, I guess, I know it's, it's kind of a cliche, I guess, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't count the days, make the days count type of a thing. But, um, you can't expect somebody else to, to teach your, your child, the Bible. I mean, yes, there's the church, but um, don't rely fully on, um, on others because eventually it, that, that responsibility falls primarily on the parent. And then, um, as far as, uh, uh, like a, a, a direction to take it, do, do you think, um, uh, teaching just the Bible, uh, catechism, uh, other perspectives? I mean, as, as far as, uh, maybe just where to start. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have no clue where to go other than, uh, bring them to, to pastor McCoy and saying, um, please, please fix my kid. <laughs> Obviously that's not the, the direction that you want, but, uh, um, what, what's, uh, what are some kind of first steps that we can take? First steps. Um, I guess it depends on age. I know uh, this will be a shameless plug. Um, so I am, a uh, I, I'm a tutor for Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo area tutors and uh, I teach a, a high school apologetics course uh, for, for, um, for students using Summit Ministries uh, curriculum. Maybe I'm sure you've probably heard of Summit out of Colorado. And, um, you know, that's not a required class. I mean, there's when you're in high school, for sure, that's not something that a student needs to take. But there are plenty of resources out there. Um, that's just one of them for those who are, are local that to make sure you're you're committing to making sure your child knows the Bible, even though it might not be the most effective thing on their resume or on their college application, right? That, that course is not going to help a kid get into an Ivy League school, 
Um, but I mean, injure more than anything at this point, <laughs> it could help them survive at an <laughs> Um, and so, uh, and I think, and that's just one, whether it's in kind of to with that, I guess first step is, I know I said, you're the prime parents of the primary disciple makers of the primary influence, but, um, that doesn't mean they're the only, and I think getting them into church, I think, um, and that means that seems so simple, but again, a lot of times we look to sports and other things. Church is what we do when we're not doing anything else. And so committed to church these days is, is really, it's a commitment to be there when other things aren't scheduled on Sunday. And I'd say to change that a little bit. And step one is commit to teaching them yourself, commit to putting them in positions where other people could teach them would be step two. Um, so work. <laughs> it's work. Yeah. Yeah. You brought them into this world have them have them go through it well yeah uh how about those who want to mentor or work with students uh but uh, uh don't quite know what to do yet they they they've either have a passion for it or they think they have a passion for it yeah um i'm a big fan of um uh, exploring and when it comes to ministry experimenting um and so i don't i, I think some people uh kind of like looking for god's will they get so um, trapped and burdened by trying to figure out the exact right thing to do that they do nothing. Um, and so if someone's like, if someone was at Calvary, for instance, and they're interested in helping with the high school, I'd say, well, why don't you just come for a week and look at what we do? And usually a person feels like a fish out of water if, if they're not interested in student ministry or they're just terrified and then they know right away, like, this is not something I'm, I'm interested in doing. Other people are like, this is hard, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge. And so then, then we take steps, at least at our church, there's a number of steps to get involved. Sometimes, though, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a church setting. I think um, if someone has a passion for youth, there's, it's possible there's already some students and youth in their life that in a very informal way can begin a, a relationship. And um, with students, is like there's a relationship with their parents, um, obviously, and it's in a, um, you know, it's not uh, in a weird way, but just, you know, taking a student out to coffee, taking them to lunch. I mean, people, students, young adults, they love free food. Um, <laughs> a great window. If you want to speak truth into a life, lot of people, love free food. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you can offer free food. You can, you have a, you have a window to talk to them. Um, but yeah, I'd say start with the relationships that are already in front of you and then, uh, go from there. Um, uh, two books that I want to recommend here, uh, that were instrumental in, um, in, my understanding of this one is Howard Hendricks, iron sharpens iron. Uh, and that takes it from both someone who wants a mentor and also the person that wants to mentor. I, I, I that book, uh, I wasn't expecting anything other than, Oh, this looks like an interesting book. And I read all of Howard Hendricks stuff so much so that I, I, I knew all his jokes when he was, <laughs> when he was writing what they were going to be, because I read his entire plethora of, uh, of a body of work. And then, uh, one that I recently just uh, got done reading by, uh, Diane Glyer called Bandersnatch. And it's, uh, about the inklings. Uh, it's, it's the, the group that, um, CS Lewis and, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, met and just had a, a writing group. And in there it's, it's, it's a history one as well, but it also kind of has uh, points of, of like, okay, if you want to start a group like this, what are some of the elements that, that they've, that you can see benefit from? And so it's like, just, uh, having, having a critique, but openness. And so, uh, you know, have people, uh, that, that can, uh, um, bring questions and then, um, have it be kind of an open platform and then ha let people be wrong, let people, uh, put out, uh, you know, either in a writing, uh, situation or, um, just, just in a, in a small group. And so, um, she has elements of there and I, I r really got a, a lot out of that book for, 
for kind of, okay, I, I kind of want to meet with people, but what does that look like instead of just sitting around going, all right, so what do we want to do? It's just <laughs> kind of, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, all right, here's what we're doing. If we don't like it, we can always change. That's the great thing about it. It's like it, just the, the, the delaying the expectations of success kind of deal. Absolutely. It's good. Uh, and then how about uh, uh, people in the church or um, maybe outside the, 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 the immediate church who have no clue what to do with, with students, but um, they don't know if they're called or uh, they, they've never even thought in their mind of, of what, uh, what, what to do with these, these people running around them. They're just so different. <laughs> Um, I, w- I would say start with prayer, um, and that's and maybe end there too. Uh, but <laughs> but the I, no matter what age a person is in uh, the church, I think there's uh, there's great value in just praying for those, especially the different generations. So I would say the same thing for the youth to be praying for our older uh, saints in the church, and I think that helps build a relationship. One, if you want to pray more specifically, you have to build a relationship or get to know them a little bit, but you appreciate some of the, the struggles they're going through, some of the things they're, they're dealing with. And that, that, um, that allows for, uh, you know, cause no matter, no matter whether, you know, if you're 80 years old and you're, you have, you can pray, right? If you're, if you're 16, you can pray for an 80 year old, 80 year old can pray for a 16 year old. Um, you don't have to be called for that. That's just, um, part of being the church. Um, so, if you, as you're praying, then you start, you know, sometimes prayer is a gateway to, um, to, you know, you're checking in though. So if someone, there's an older gentleman in our church, an example here, um, he weekly emails me and asks how he could be praying for me. And, uh, and so I, I send him back every week an email on, um, our relationship, right. Even though that's the bulk of it, um, he's not actively involved in, in youth ministry, but he's praying probably more for the youth ministry than a lot of people in our church and yet he's never steps to put in our youth room. So, um, and that's the way, so by praying for me, he's praying for the youth. And I think that's, um, yeah, I'm rambling all over here, but that's, that's, that's the key way I would say to, to get, to get plugged in. Mm-hmm. That's also, I think too, uh, um, it, th- thinking that you don't have anything to offer because, Oh, I don't have that passion. Uh, you know, just talking to somebody who's built a business before or, you know, everyone loves to hear police stories and firefighter stories. So, you know, think of, um, you know, who could, who could uh, benefit from, from that, or, uh, you know, uh, sponsoring kids for camps or youth groups, uh, something like that, get, getting involved in, in that way. Um, I think, um, also, um, you know, if not, uh, not, uh, a, 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 a close relationship aspect to it, but still supporting, part of the church, right? The, the kids are just as much as part of the, the church, uh, as, as, uh, the, the oldest member. Right. Yeah. So what, um, and we're, we probably need to wrap this up here. Justin's on his day off. We're, we're, we can keep him. It's fine. <laughs> but, uh, let's just end up with talking about apologetics. What do you see as the, the future of apologetics in the church? Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it on the peripheral um, aspect of the church right now, but it certainly won't be in the future. I, th- I think as we get further and further, um, the, the need for not only being able to give answers, not only be able to give a defense, um, 
And I think apologetics, uh, as it covers a lot of different areas and in in, in using the word in a broad term, not just having like debates um, and and uh, high level thinking type of apologetics, but just being able to 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 engage our world and explain why why we do and don't do certain things. Where I think um, you know, apologetics for morality is a becoming a bigger uh bigger deal why explaining why you know you, sometimes we think of apologetics between uh key worldviews and, and different religions but sometimes just having a defense for why as christians you, you don't um abortion or or gender or you know the, and so a little bit getting more into a defense for for just morals is is a, is a kind of a shift i think in in some of the uh the bent of apologetics that's becoming more prominent and probably will be as we um as we move forward well you're in good company because uh andres kostenberger who we interviewed recently pretty much said <laughs> kind of the same thing so you know uh, good, good job <laughs> that's the right answer yeah there you go yeah um so uh, um what what going forward um uh can we can we uh, focus on as as individuals um of of what's what's uh what's the best um kind of not apologetic approach but um as far as i guess being open because as as you mentioned um i i, I almost see it as as a benefit uh you know the 1950s had this idea of i'm an american therefore i'm christian and so you had a, a, a prevalence of uh, you know just moderate christians or th- those that came for the um uh, you know, for, for the potlucks. <laughs> and, and so n- now you have more the, the, the decline of Christianity. Um, uh, should, should we, should we be more concerned with, um, I guess, as, as a, a church as a whole, um, uh, having, um, having answers that, uh, that, as you said, uh, speak to, to morality, is, is there still uh, um, a, a benefit for having uh, a, a broader aspect on, on, on the outlook of, of apologetics? Oh, absolutely. I, I think my own personal just bent is that um, if, if any type of head knowledge that we have in apologetics should if it's not applied if it's not if if someone has all the answers but they're not talking to anybody um and they're not interacting with people um i'm not sure i hope the future of apologetics is such that all the answers then lead to conversation and cultural engagement because uh, if if the church is really good at apologetics but we only talk about it within the church i do think there's the personal confidence aspect i talked about earlier that students can strengthen their own personal faith knowing that there are answers to their questions but i i i hope I hope the more we study and the more we come to those and, and develop answers, we're actually providing those answers to the watching world or otherwise I think, um, the church will be very ineffective. Um, if our apologetics is limited to, um, within internal church discussion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the reasons why, uh, we're just not handed a list of rules, uh, in, in book form where we're given people's lives, we're uh, told what happened. Uh, we see an active uh, version of, of faith and, uh, that, uh, goes not only for how to treat husbands and wives, but also how uh, we interact with, 
who God is, how, who he's revealed himself to be, and also uh, providing answers uh, uh, so that, uh, that it's uh, uh, supremely beneficial for anything that we do, including things like politics, uh, how to raise children, um, all that stuff is what the Christian worldview talks to. So mm-hmm. great. Thank you, Justin, for uh, giving us your, your day off and uh, coming on and, and talking about apologetics with us uh, as, as far as it concerns students. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I hope that you're able to edit out all of the stuff that's bad. And- right. <laughs> right. And th- that'll be the clip show where we put as the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> all good. All good. Great. Well, thanks again, Justin. We yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you.